we've dealt with this issue a lot about activities. It's a big deal. Yep. We recognize as professionals that activities are important to children. I can appreciate that mom at age 10 wants the child to explore all different kinds of things. I mean, these things also get expensive. I had a case once where uh, mom was being spiteful of dad, but their court order said dad had to pay for all of the activities, even though mom had the power to sign them up and there was no limit. So she signed her daughter up for a question. Oh, and it even said the activity and all equipment and things that go with the activity. No. So she bought a horse. Oh, no. And she sent dad a bill for like $3,000. Wow. (laughs) Are you frustrated with your co-parent? Do you sometimes find yourself hoping that you and your co-parent will one day get along better than you even did in your marriage? Or more secretly, wish your co-parent would meet with an untimely or maybe painful demise. (laughs) It's okay. We understand. But I'm afraid that neither of those fantasies are helping you move on with your life. We think this podcast will help you learn how to put those fantasies in the past. In each episode, we address difficult dilemmas that many co-parents face and will help you decide should you hold on to the conflict for the sake of the kids or let it go for the same reason. These issues are often complicated, but the solutions can be easier than you think. So get ready for this unconventional ride. You might be surprised it could change your life. Welcome to Co-Parent Dilemmas, where we give practical solutions to those impossible co-parents. I'm Diane Dirks. And I'm Rick Voiles. Well, hey, Rick. Hi, Diane. Hey, how's your day going? Oh, I had a good day. I taught the uh, parenting class today. And okay. it, it's always a satisfying experience because the audience comes in hating being there, right? right. It's mandatory by the judge. And to watch the transformation in the class, and then people end up telling us, oh, I'm so glad I came. This is much better than what I thought. And people should take this class before they got married, all this yeah. stuff. And, and today I got one that you gave me hope. I mean, oh. just to get that makes my day. Yep. That's awesome. Thank you for doing that because um, it's necessary. And any all of those people out there, professionals who do this work, <laughs> thank you. Yes. <laughs> Rick, I think that you got an email this week. Tell I've me heard, about that. I heard from Jared in Oregon. He has a 10-year-old son, and here's what he writes. His mom has primary custody and final decision-making on activities. I don't mind taking him to soccer practices and games on my time because I know he enjoys it. But lately, she seems to be signing him up for things on my weekend that he doesn't even want to do. She has him taking violin lessons on Saturdays, and he hates them. She signed him up for an all-weekend church camp on my weekend, but wouldn't change weekends with me. I think he enjoyed that, but still it's my time, and she doesn't even ask me about it. When soccer is not in season, she has him playing other sports like swim team and roller hockey that he really doesn't care about. It just feels like she is purposely trying to keep him busy so he can't be with me. Should I just accept this or is there something I can do to get my time back with my son? Hmm. 
No, I'm assuming that last question, he's not saying I want makeup time, or maybe he is. I think he's saying I, I want to get back control of my time. <laughs> you know, to get makeup time, that's a legal issue. And he'd have to talk to his attorney about that if that's not part of the court order, right? Right. That he's allowed makeup time. I can't imagine anybody would say you get makeup time because you missed an hour with your son for her violin lessons. No, I can't <laughs> imagine that happening either. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. not going to fly. Well, let's but assume I, for a moment that mom is doing it purposely. Okay. Mom's doing it purposely, but she has the legal right to do activities. Now, I don't know about other states, but like in Georgia, you're expected to at least inform the other parent and better yet, get their feedback before you exercise your right to sign your child up for an activity. Yes. We don't know whether she's doing that appropriately, but it doesn't seem like that's really what Jared is um, concerned about. Yep. I think the underlying question is, can I just not take him? Because <laughs> he doesn't want to go. And it's really my time. And what's the mantra we say about that? It's not your time. It's your turn to be the parent. Yeah. Turn to be responsible. Yep. And if you and mom were still married, she told you I'm signing Johnny up for violin, hockey, and swim team whether you like it or not. And to be a good husband, you might've said, okay. And, <laughs> and then on Saturday, you'd be grudgingly taking your son to violin lessons and he'd be complaining about it all the way there. So that's, that's, true. that's what responsible parents do. They take their child to activities when there's a monetary investment. We've dealt with this issue a lot about activities. It's a big deal. Yep. We recognize as professionals that activities are important to children. I can appreciate that mom at age 10 wants the child to explore all different kinds of things because some kids at age 10 are talented enough that they know they're going to be a star basketball player because he was six foot tall by the time he was 10. But that's rare. Some young girl knows she's going to be a famous gymnast. And so maybe at age 10, they've got that all figured out. But that's the exception, not the rule. At age 10, developmentally, they're not to their maximum growth yet. They don't know what they're going to be good at. They don't know whether they like art or they like music or they like sports. So I admire a parent who wants to give them different experiences so that they can kind of move into where their niche is because we want kids to do what they're good at because it it raises their self-esteem. Yes. I'm a really good writer. I just want to write poetry. Okay. So don't keep throwing them out on the football field to make them feel like an idiot, you know? (laughs) So, So I think that's good parenting. But because of divorce conflict and the way parents typically feel about each other, they have a filter. And the filter is from now on, everything she does, I'm going to see it through the selfish filter. She's just being selfish. She's just being antagonistic. She's just doing this to hurt me. It may or may not be true. So first of all, I want to check the filter. Is Jared correct? We don't know. No. There are legal remedies to what he's talking about, but I think his real issue is why she's doing it. Yeah. And again, there's not much he can do about it. So when you can't control the other parent, remember when we talked about the plan B? Yes. The plan B exists to help the child. You will always be able to find a plan B that will help the child. Yes. Right. So what would a plan B be for Jared in this case when he's complaining to dad, I hate violin, I'm terrible at it, or I don't like swimming? What can dad do or say to help the child? Well, I think there's plenty of opportunity to talk here. 
And the talking could get to the point you were making earlier. I liked that said the child's exploring. I don't know of any child that starts playing violin. I think even the greats probably hated it at the beginning. See what I have back here? I just took up violin. Oh, yeah. You do have a violin. (laughs) Do you hate it yet? (laughs) It's hard. Yes. It's really hard if I hadn't wanted to play all my life. And I'm committed to making it sound less screechy. Yes. (laughs) But for a 10-year-old, I would be very impatient with the violin. And that's the kind of conversation. Yes, we can talk about hard things. We can Mm -hmm. talk about life lessons. And dad can support and and agree. Yeah, I wouldn't like it either. I mean, I I don't like listening to you play. (laughs) But but, we're talking about commitment. We're talking about some of these cases, team. She's got to be in team sports and individuals. So there is a wide breadth here of opportunities for him to have really good conversations Mm -hmm. with dad. And it's not saying that he can't go. He's saying that he feels cheated. Yes. Yeah. So there are two different issues here. One is how do you talk with your child about it? Maybe share some of your values, just stick it out for the school year. At the end of that school year, if you still hate it, then you can talk to your mom or we'll talk to her together about the fact that you really don't want to take it up again. Because I think there's value in saying once you start something, you see yes. it through for a time. Right. Because we don't want to teach our kids if it's not pleasant, if I'm too tired, we just quit something that we commit to, especially when a parent has made a financial investment. Buying a violin is not cheap mm-hmm. or even renting one, right? True. So we want them to know we've made a little bit of an investment for you to have this experience and stick it out for a long enough time to see whether it is something you are interested in doing. Well, those are valuable conversations he can have because of this situation. Yes. And I suspect it's hard for him to say that because that sounds like support for mom. (laughs) (laughs) But I think taking maybe a bad situation and turning it into a teaching moment And I know it's kind of cliche, but Mm -hmm. that is really a thing. Yes. Uh, It takes the focus off of mom and on to let's talk about you for a minute. Now, next year, next five years, Johnny is throwing his violin against the wall because he hates it so much. (laughs) And okay, maybe we do need to really do something about that. But when it first begins, not so much. And I have a real strong feeling about team sports. I've encountered parents who their child is signed up for baseball, but mom or dad won't take them on their weekend and they miss every other game or they miss important practices because that's my time. And I just think that sends the wrong message about teamwork. And most coaches are not going to tolerate that. Your kid will probably sit on the bench because he wasn't at practice. Right. And what is that doing to a child's self-esteem? So it really is about putting yourself in the child's shoes when it comes to things like that, but also being a parent and teaching your important values around it. Well, and I can guarantee you that if this child does not want to play violin, he will find a nonverbal way of letting mom know. <laughs> he and just, I, yeah. He'll suck at it. And, and the teacher will go, he just has no talent. We shouldn't <laughs> do this anymore. <laughs> and I'm glad you said that because oftentimes what will happen is a child and a 10-year-old is in that developmental place where he's a parent pleaser. They, I mean, most kids don't want to confront their parents truthfully, especially if they're a difficult True. parent, right? Yeah. 
So for dad to say, well, you just need to tell your mom you don't like it because she's the decision maker here. That might not be so easy for the child. Right. So he may be telling mom, I love the violin, but he's telling dad the truth. Or he may really love it, but he's telling dad that he doesn't love it because dad is showing signs of being annoyed by violin. I mean, we don't really know what the truth is here, right? So let's talk about how dad can possibly clue mom into what's happening with their child in a way that doesn't start a fight. Do you have any ideas about that? Well, we have an example of that in our workbook in the class. How do you communicate in the email protocol? What we talked about in another episode, the FYI. Mm-hmm. So you just send information to mom that says, oh, by the way, I don't know what he says to you, but he's telling me he doesn't like violin. I don't know if that's true or not, but I just wanted to let you know what he's saying over here. So you okay. have a heads up, something like that. Sure. Then that's not saying to mom, can't you tell Johnny hates it? And this is taking away my time. And that is not right. going to be productive. You're saying you're giving her the benefit of the doubt that maybe he's telling her he loves it. So chances are what that will prompt is a conversation with Johnny. Hey, your dad tells me you're telling him you don't like it. And then Johnny may have to fess up Mm -hmm. (laughs) or he may be able to say to her, yeah, I really don't like it, mom. To which, depending on their co-parent relationship, she may grill him and say, is your dad telling you to say that? No, 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 don't do that. (laughs) So it could go any number of ways. But if mom is a decent parent, she's going to say, okay, well, be honest with me if you really don't like it. But I think you should stick it out until all the paid up lessons are done or whatever the case is. If mom then sends dad an email back and says, hmm, I talked to Johnny and he says he loves them, then dad can have a conversation. Right. You're telling one parent one thing and the other. We don't want you in the middle of that. Mm -hmm. It's okay to be honest about your feelings. And then he may say, oh, but every time I'm honest with mom, she gets upset with me. Okay. Well, you may have to then do what mom says for a while. Yep. Until you have the courage to say it because those things happen. Kids are afraid to bring it up to a parent because they're going to be argued with or made to feel less than. And often the other parent understands that because they went through the same thing with that other parent. Precisely. Mm -hmm. So you have to be sensitive. What is going on with the child? What is likely to happen if I tell the other parent? If you're pretty sure it's not going to do any good to tell mom, this is what Johnny is saying, then you just have that very important plan B conversation with the child to take care of him. Exactly. Yeah. Let's focus on the child. And if we find out that the child says, oh, I, I can't bring it up with mom. Well, we've still taught him that it's his responsibility and when he's ready, but I may want to have a conversation. Tell me what you think of this, because now I want to know, you told me you hate, uh, what was it? Roller hockey. Oh, Now, do you not want me to tell mom that you hate that? Because if I keep sending FYIs over there and it keeps putting him under tension, I'm forcing him to lie. True. So let's play that out. I hate violin. I hate roller hockey. I hate swim team. I only love soccer because my dad is a coach. (laughs) (laughs) Could be a message. I want to spend time with my dad. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And maybe that's why she's over involving him. So again, there's not enough information in Jared's message to know exactly what all the parameters are. So not to be confusing, but to help our listeners understand how complicated this can be for children. 
Right. Things, things are not always as you think they are. Even when your kid tells you something, it's not always for the reasons that you think. We underestimate the survival necessity that may be created because the other parent isn't as capable or competent. Right. So you could say to Johnny, okay, this is the third thing that you said you didn't want to do or hated. Is there some other reason? It might not be hockey and it might not be swim team or violin. There may be another reason. It might be dad. It might be, I'm just an introvert and I don't want to do all those things. Right. I like poetry. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So have all those important conversations and don't assume. And it feels a little bit like Jared is assuming why this is happening. And I want Jared to explore a little bit more. His idea of giving in or letting it go is I just put up with this. I take my kids to these miserable events, right? That's my letting it go. Yep. My holding on is I've got to just not take him to support my son. Yep. And once again, we're saying (laughs) it's usually never an either or proposition. Right. There in between those two poles could be 20 different possibilities. And the only way you're going to know is to talk to your child and talk them through. Sometimes when I'm working with kids, they have a hard time articulating their own feelings, or maybe they're afraid to, and I'll give them multiple choice questions. (laughs) So are you saying this because you really hate violin or you really hate roller hockey? That would be choice A. Are you saying it because you want to support me because you know that I really want to spend more time with you? That would be choice B or choice C. Are you telling your mom one thing and maybe telling me another because you feel stuck in the middle between us? Mm-hmm. And oftentimes what kids will do is they'll stop and go, it's kind of B, but a little bit of C. Yes. And then you know you've got something. Yes. And then you get to say, good, I'm glad you were able to admit that. That way they're not saying it, but they're able to kind of give you an idea. And then you can talk about both of those. It's not your job to take care of us. It's not your job to please either one of us. Mm -hmm. It's not your job to support me. You're the child. I'm the adult. I exist to support you and and your emotions and your health and well-being. And you just have that very important conversation. Please just go be a kid. Yes. Yeah. So Jared, I would suggest that let's assume she is doing it on purpose and she is muddling with your time with your son. That does not mean that the time that you do have with your son could not be excellent quality time, despite her motives. In what way? What is the quality time he can have while his son is sitting in violin lessons? Well, there are so many different conversations, bonding, just like we've talked about values you know, I hate violin. Well, then let's go do something we like afterwards. We'll stop and get tacos on the way home. So it becomes a tradition after, and then he maybe likes violin because afterwards we get an ice cream cone or something. Yeah. Yeah, I like that idea. Yeah. So there's always a way, isn't there? Always. Always. So 
That's why we have never-ending subjects for this show. I'm going to be 90 years old and still doing this weekly podcast. Keeps us busy. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Thank you all right. for all the work. Yeah. Good stuff. And we'll talk next week. Yes. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. We hope this episode was helpful to you. If you'd like to share your dilemma or tell us how something we said has benefited your situation, please call 1-234-DILEMMA. That's 234-362-3445. Or email 1234dilemma at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Co-Parent Dilemmas wherever you get your podcasts and give us a favorable rating. That will make us more accessible to co-parents who are searching for help. Thank you for being part of our non-impossible family.